Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, and you're listening to Technori Live from very snowy, but beautiful nonetheless, WGN Radio. Um, so while I was getting ready to come on the air here, I was like waiting. I'm looking for a couple articles. I want to talk to you about something uh, probably intermittently throughout the show, but like between the pitches from these from these founders, because there's a new article that just recently came out uh, from the New York Times about different founders and starters basically moving away from venture capitalists, which is like a mind-blowing if you're in the space because who says no to you know everyone wants money but in the process of doing so i was playing on facebook which is what us old people do now and we try to figure out like the article we'd posted on technory which by the way here's my shameless plug you can follow technory anywhere on all social platforms at technory or follow me at katoon uh ashley i think i figured out why people of your gem- generation and less, or not less, you're, you're not lesser than anyone, <laughs> your generation and younger are done with Facebook. It just dawned on me right now. What it is, is it? It is so slow. There's so much stuff. And when you want to go and like, if you're not on your phone on the app, if you want to go on like the browser or you're just like scrolling through people's feeds, which is obviously yeah, it's videos not, take forever. Oh my God. I'm done. <laughs> like, I think I just moved over to Instagram and snap. Well, Snapchat's dead, but like I just went over to Instagram. Like just now, I think it's I'm, officially the nail has been put in that coffee because <laughs> it's it, like, I get it. Like I have no patience. Your age group has like less patience right <laughs> true and i can Very only imagine true. if i if i said to you like oh my god ashley you gotta i don't know why i just changed my voice but like <laughs> if i was like oh my god ashley i'm super excited you have to like check this out and you started scrolling through and like i can't find it all i get is like the little wizard scrolling you would be done you'd be like i'm, I'm out on this yeah for sure and then you'd be like why aren't you on instagram and then you would have said why didn't you why did why did you message me on iMessage when you should have <laughs> messaged me in instagram in which case you could have just sent me what you were looking looking for an instagram and exactly we wouldn't even be having this conversation <laughs> so like anyone out there who says you're you're the generation is like totally locked into social media and they're all like not paying attention my world just changed i'm not we are not but we're selective no but you like you this experience that just happened just changed my life like my investment everything is going to change <laughs> i'm serious because i just recognized that you people waste a lot less time than i do because I just, we're ta- first off, I'm talking about this wasting all of you people listening this time. <laughs> but more importantly, I wasted the time of telling you about what took place and you explaining to me why this was stupid. I could have literally just been on Instagram, found the article because, you know, articles are there also, uh, and found different things and Twitter. And I could have literally just messaged it to you directly and then we wouldn't have had any of this. True. So you Very guys true. actually use your time better. It's, I it's, like that you're putting it that way instead of making us feel like we waste time. No, you guys <laughs> on you, social no, media. you know what it is. You guys are so efficient now with the way that you handle most of your other stuff in life that you have more time and thus you waste it because you're young and you have nothing else to do with it. And in a way, we're kind of spoiled because I mean, I used dial up when I was really young, like when I was a kid that I didn't even know what was going on. I just find to that play, hard like, to believe, but I'll, I'll take it. No, I swear. Like when I would go up to like Michigan or something, oh, we would yeah, have a connection. We'd have to do yeah. like, yeah, you know, we'd have to do dial up or something along those Bunny lines. Bunny antennas. Yeah. So like for you, not you necessarily, but people that are older than you, they're used to waiting for things yes. to happen. So when they happen slightly quicker, they're like, oh, this is really fast. But for us, we are so used to not waiting for anything and if just getting everything right away yeah so if it takes too long we just give up and we're like yeah and you know what i i think we just hit on something for for those of you out there who are listening who also run companies and you're talking about the 24 5 6 year how old are you if you can if i can ask i'm 21 21 so for those of you who are hiring 26 27 28 year olds they're a hybrid of me they're used to things being quick and like more or less done for them 
but they're still accustomed to some sort of waiting and like they have experienced uh 3G and like lower data, you know, data services that made it harder to load. So they just still wait. And all the people who run companies are just going irate because they're they have a whole staff of people who's sitting around waiting. Your demographic is the future of business because you guys will wait for nothing. And work. And you'll go and get it. Do like, something else. If it's else. not there, you'll do something else and you'll come back to it like instinctively or you'll literally just run after it. Like you won't sit and wait for something. And I think that might be the difference between the demographic that is like the true millennial and the next one up is that the millennial will be like, they're like conditioned to be like, oh, gee shucks, like this isn't, I'm, I'll wait. I'll, yeah, I'll be on hold. And you would be like, um, yeah, no, click. I'll Google and figure yeah, out what I got to do. Yeah, you just keep moving. Yeah. And I really, I legitimately think I just solved like half the world's problems just now. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm convinced of it. If there was a, a, an investment I could make in this statement, I would do it right now, but I'm a little tight on cash. <laughs> um, speaking of that, so we move on to the, the actual topic, which I'll, I'll keep it swift because we got to take a break and then we're going to start doing some startup investing, which is, you know, why I'm here and hopefully why you're here too. But an article uh, was shared, well, my good friend and, and partner in business, uh, Sam, sent me this uh, article, but then I saw my, my very good friend, Emil Cambry from Blue1647, has been on the show many times, he's kicking butt and taking names in uh, Brooklyn, New York right now, posted an article from the New York Times, as I mentioned, called, More Startups Have an Unfamiliar Message for Venture Capitalists, Get Lost. And if you're in my business, you're in the tech business and in the investment space, you're like, uh-oh, that's not good for business. I literally called Sam after this this morning, and I said... This is the best news I've heard in a month because I am the biggest fan in the world. And obviously, you know this because you listen to the show and know that the companies that are calling in are investable through you. I am the biggest fan of, well, let's say three things. Two things I've been a fan of for a long time. The third thing is a new new thing that was forced upon me and, and thus now I love it. Uh, and that is alternative funding. Using things like I could do crowdfunding or Kickstarter or whatever the case, GoFundMe, whatever it is, to let the world, let your community, let your people, your friends, your family, uh, your first customers, your beta testers, let them be your angel round. Don't take money from someone who can't help you at scale. They can only help you get past the first rung. And then every single thing they say from then, and this is not exclusive to everyone, but like a large number. The, every piece of advice that I get from from there on, I'm a little bit skeptical because their number one interest is a return on investment. They're waiting for a return versus the other people who were sort of betting on a return. They want a return, of course, but they're also betting on you and they want to help you get to where you want to go. And then if you can help them along the way, obviously great. Angel investors, if you've done it before them and they're, they're more of a partner, that's one thing. If you're just taking money from people and they're giving you lousy terms and negative covenants in your in your agreements, they're just limiting you. <clears throat> and for the first time ever, we have the availability of equity crowdfunding to a point where people can quite literally uh, invest ten dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, ten thousand dollars. You can invest in 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 SpaceX right now on microventures.com if you're accredited. Uh, you can invest in twenty three me, ten thousand bucks, and invest in a company that's raising a hundred million. Use, use non-traditional means to get your stuff off the ground. The second thing that I am a huge fan of that more companies need to jump on is, is capital in the form of revenue. Now, this doesn't work for everyone. Some companies are, are building technology before they have sales. But if you're a founder of a company that can drive sales first, do it. And the third thing, which was bestowed upon me by my partner, Mike Rothman, is find the fastest path to revenue, and that will be your fastest path to success. It doesn't have to be the revenue that you're going to scale. It doesn't have to be the long-term money. But if you can make a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue today on something that you're not going to try to invest in in the future, why wouldn't you do that and do the extra work 
then go raise money and give somebody a piece of the long tail of what you're doing. It just blows my mind, and it just makes it all the more... I mean, the fact that founders are writing about this, New York Times knows about it, tells me that people are getting the message that equity crowdfunding is a fantastic option, uh, among many other things, is a fantastic option for investing in companies. Thank you, Jen. I will slow down. No problems. I just got a nice text message saying I'm talking too fast. We're up against the break, and I'm just super excited about startups. Here's the deal. We are going to come back. Cool suppliers. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see it. Uh, I love, well, we had food on. I love blending. I also love ice pops. There's a company called Cool Suppliers that's going to be calling in to talk about ice pops, but also how it's an investable business. Their revenue is up 55% year over year, almost a million dollars in sales collectively. So uh, we will have them back into pitch and you guys can invest. In the meantime, we will take a commercial break. I'm Scott Gatoon and this is WGN Radio AM 720. You are listening to the Startup Showcase. I am your host, Scott Katoon. I will uh, start this off. We're about to have the the uh, the founder, Timmy. Uh, sorry, what am I doing? I can't even read. Timmy Grinds of Cool Suppliers is going to be calling in, or I guess he is called in, and I just want to give you guys sort of the rundown. Uh, the company itself is doing amazing things, and I only say that because I'm I'm hungry, and also I love um, I love to, like ice pops, like it's just like a thing. So. Um, if you go to the microventures.com and you scroll down, you will find, uh, 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 you will find the cool suppliers on the page. You can read all about it. They've raised a little bit of money. Uh, the campaign has many days to go They're They're sort of new to the new to the campaign place, but <clears throat> they've been doing well. They've got about 600 and something thousand dollars in total revenue. They're 50 some odd percent up year over year. So like as a company in the food space, that's quite good because it's sort of a, you get adoption early and then after that it can be kind of a challenge and people are like, oh, it's great. And then they just don't come back. So anytime you can prove that you're doing well in one location, it's much easier to get into other locations. So personally, I think it's, it's an interesting one and I'm looking forward to, uh, to talk to Timmy here. So Timmy, are you there? Yep, I'm here, man. Can you hear me? I can. You sound better than most. You must be on. Are you are you on a real phone? Is this a, an actual old? School? I am, man. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm on a cell phone. I'm really? on a cell phone. You you sound yeah, yeah, too yeah. clear for that. I didn't think that any cell phones. Uh, you must be on that that new five G people are talking about. Yeah, I, I think it's just my own charisma, my friend. <laughs> the charisma's bleeding through the airways. Uh, I love it. It's coming right through, man. Chicago's <laughs> been very good to me. I've had a very very. I appreciate you guys giving us a little bit of airtime, man. Tell me, I, tell, what's your background Oprah in Chicago? Winfrey brought me out to Chicago once. Jim Belushi did? Oprah Winfrey. Oh, even better, Oprah Winfrey. I'm like, how did I hear Jim Belushi out of Oprah Winfrey? I don't know. What's, I was caught right. up by the, it's okay. the charisma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, that happens, man. Were you on, that happens. Were you on the Oprah show? I wasn't on it, but I was invited as one of her heroes. Um, oh, sweet. We did a lot of uh, super positive things. And uh, she invited myself and a friend of mine um, out to the show, and then she bestowed us uh, with an enormous amount of gifts and gratitude, which was super cool, um, during one of her favorite things episodes. That is amazing. I don't think, I have to think about it. I don't think I've ever had anyone connected to Oprah on my show. You are a first. Hey, man, doing what we can, bro. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so here's the gist. Uh, you have one minute to pitch sure. cool suppliers. And, and what I want to get out of this, what I need the audience to get out of this is uh, the problem or why, you know, the why, why you did this, how you accomplish mm-hmm. the mission, and how you make money, which I think selling pops is pretty clear, so like you don't have to focus too much on that. Uh, but sure. uh, you will have one minute to make this pitch, and then we'll, we'll do a little talking about uh, how you do this and how you grow it and all that kind of stuff. Ready? No, no for sure, absolutely. Right. Rock and roll, one yeah. minute starting now. 
Okay, yeah, the cool suppliers, uh, we're the makers and the movers of the all-natural icy. It's kind of like a frozen smoothie. Uh, it's basically half fruit, the rest is water. I don't put a lot of sugar in it. It's a better-for-you kind of treat. Uh, we started selling out of the back of the van in Brooklyn, New York, back in 2014. Uh, flash forward to present day, you can find us in about 23, 24 of the 50 states. Uh, we're approaching five-figure total stores. Um, we came in from the bottom. We're coming up from the bottom. We're going in through the convenience store market where we're walking in the door, and we're not going after necessarily the same territories that every other kind of natural, organic-leaning kind of product goes after, meaning Whole Foods, right? Um, but we're looking to kind of service the rest of America, if you follow my thinking. Uh, the trend seems to be that everybody across the board, even Latinos, uh, uh, you know, poorer neighborhoods, people are starting to look towards and read the packages. We're trying to kind of make sure that we're serving those markets that seem to be vastly underserved. Uh, and we've had quite a bit of success doing it. Uh, basically, we make something for a dollar and we sell it for $2, kind of a that methodology. Um, that's kind of how we make money. Um, but again, it's an all-natural product, and we're serving an underserved market, and we're doing it with speed, and we're doing it up from the bottom. And we're doing very, very well. And we are, as you mentioned, uh, from a statistical and numerical point of view, um, achieving uh, some significant returns year over year. Awesome. So uh, tell people real quick here where they can go to learn more about the opportunity. Uh, that's microventures.com forward slash cool suppliers. Uh, spelled as sound C-O-O-L-S-U-P-P-L-I-E-R-S. Very cool. Okay, so now I want to talk to you about the business itself because we had we've had several, including other fellow microventures raisers uh, and Blentopia on the show last week, um, and and I'm not like I'll tell you I love the the model when you when it's successful everything looks good right I mean when you can say I'm in every Target sure. I'm in every Whole Foods it like it's it's got a sex appeal to it, but mm-hmm. you made a very good point in. I don't want to diminish the altruistic part of this because you're you're on to something there, obviously as well, and it's good for the world. But uh, from a business standpoint, there is a ton of crowding in all of these Whole Foods. Everybody and their brother and their mother and their sister's friend has something at a Whole Foods or a Target or a wherever. And when you go look at like I, like Blentopia, I love the product. When I went to Whole Foods, I was actually a little annoyed that it was buried behind like four other brands that do something kind of similar but different. And stores are not really set up to share the differentiation between one that was healthy and one that was not. And you taking the approach of not jumping into that space and taking a quality product that's healthy and sticking it inside of the convenient marts of 7-Elevens and places where it's mostly junk food, you stand out like a sore thumb. And so then it's just a matter of conveying to those the, 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 the demographic that shops there that there are options. And that you should be yep. more health conscious, which is a much easier, you know, the, the pushback has always been on that, that they'd say, well, I can't afford it. But if you're selling it at two bucks yep. a pop, I mean, they can. Yep. And so it really, yep. your marketing is not like, look at my package versus their package. It's you want healthy food and I'm the only one in the store. Like for at least until you grow your brand, that's a that's brilliant. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now our poster says the most fruit in the freezer. Um, you know, awesome. we've got door stickers that say we don't fruck with corn syrup. <laughs> Right? I love it. So um, we have a decided edge. And look, me spelling out this strategy with you right now is exactly why we're raising capital. Yep. Because we're the first ones in the door, right? And really nobody else is doing what we're doing. 
So what I need is I need people to kind of get in with me because I need to ramp this up and move fast. We've infiltrated the two top markets in the United States, New York and Los Angeles. We've also infiltrated Las Vegas, Baltimore, uh, Denver, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Utah. We've infiltrated those markets. But we need to ramp up the inventory. We need to start to uh, get ourselves situated that we can scale this to a real degree because we're profitable as it stands. But for us to kind of start to gap out, we need to get some more dough in the door. I can't continue to finance this necessarily from my own pocket. But we are the first ones in the market, and we are rocking and rolling, and we are speaking to the demographic that's in the stores. And we're going to scale it up. Don't get me wrong. You'll see us in Whole Foods at some point. Oh, of course. Yeah. We'll get there when we get there, but I'm just not in a hurry. I like that could your, be the last story. I like your plan. Up. i got to tell you, man, I, I really do. I like... I like the idea of doing this. Everybody else is running towards the mass door, and you're taking sort of the side entrance, and, and I just think it's awesome. I also think it's awesome because there's a lot of those kind of stores inside of businesses and places around, so it's not just about yep. serving a community. It's like everyone. And the last thing, we got to go, and we got to take a, a break here, but I, the last thing I want to tell you, just not that you need my kudos, but I'm looking at your product, and I'm thinking of all the times that I stop inside of a 7-Eleven. Your product even fits the the box that you're putting it in so in other words i think maybe you follow what i'm saying here but like if i took a a, yep. a green labely clean thing looking thing that's at whole foods and i placed it in 7-eleven it stands like a sore thumb in the wrong way it sound it feels almost like you're snub you know like you're almost condescending me your product is yep. actually packaged the way that i would expect yep. it to be packaged there it's just a better product i really like it congratulations on the success Thank you, brother. Awesome. All right, we One will share this. One day at a time, but the days add up. You, you got it, man. You got my investment. So uh, I will share this on technory.com. People can find it uh, as well as uh, on the Technory, you know, the Facebook and LinkedIn and all that other good stuff. So uh, thank you very much for, for taking the time to call the show. My man, thank you for giving me some airspace, brother. Much respect. All right, cool. Thank you so much. So we are uh, we are we are at one thirty and fifty seconds. We're going to kick it to the news here, which is sponsored by VictoryAutoRecords.com. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. We've got another startup caller, Artist Works CEO Patricia Butler is going to call in here in a second, and uh, you'll have another opportunity to invest in a great startup. Uh, to tee this one up, um, they've been around for a little bit longer, and they've they've done some serious revenue. I believe a little over three million dollars in uh, in seventeen or three and a half and seventeen. They're up again, still doing well. Uh, for those of you listening that are, I guess, musically inclined. You may know of things like this already, but for the rest of us who have no musical talent whatsoever, I feel like as a kid, you know, that was like my only chance to become a musician. Like you either have a child, you're a musician, and your parents sort of force you into it and you learn like how to read music and do stuff. And if you miss that window, um, you really don't have a shot at it. Like I would say you have to be pretty much unemployed or like have nothing but time in your hands because it's it's not an easy undertaking. Uh, not to be offensive or, or ageist or whatever, but I feel like you're either really young or you're really, really old. Those are the only times you have like the time and the, the ability to go and learn music. Uh, but there's a whole flood of startups. Tra- Trala is one here in Chicago um, that was a Techstars graduate that is helping people learn music. There's a bunch of them to help you learn languages. My own Davis, who was on the show last time, is trying to learn Mandarin right now on one of these apps. They make it super easy for you to go ahead and learn and, and also learn with like the masters, which is the big thing is like, it's one thing to, to like challenge yourself, but it's another when you get to learn from, from the, the tools and trades that, that the best are using. And that is the case with this next guest. Uh, Patricia, are you there? 
Yes, I am. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I have to to preface this for everyone. I If you were listening in the first half of the show, you already get the gist, but microventures.com, you go there, slash Artistworks, and you can look at the term sheet and how much money you're raising and where you're at, and they can invest in it for, uh, I think it's a minimum of $100 or whatever it is. Um, and so I, I recommend people, if even if you're not investing, you should go and look at it and just learn more about the company and the opportunity. Um, but Patricia, you are going to have one minute to pitch what artist works is, and what I'm looking to accomplish here is to get the you know the the problem the what whatever it is you were trying to solve for the why, um, and then how artist works solves it, and then we want people to invest, so we kind of need to know how you make those bucks. So I'm going to give you one minute to do that, and then afterward we'll have some Q and A and and learn a little bit more about your story and all that kind of stuff. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds fine. Um, I didn't know that it was only one minute, but that's fine. I can I can get it in. So let's we're, let's we're on the radio. Started, so if you, if you so if if you go over, I promise I will not penalize you. <laughs> I won't get the hook, right? Yeah, right. There, yeah, no. There's there's no hook because you are my show at this point. So like, if I if I if I oh, hooked God. you, I would okay. have no show. So I'll give you a minute and whatever totally else. All right, sweet, you got it. So let's have you start uh, right <laughs> now. Okay, thanks. ArtistWorks is a 10-year-old uh, music e-learning company where masters come to teach online, and they use our innovation of video exchange learning. Uh, we have members in over 80 countries, and we have three U.S. patents on our core technology that is applicable to any visually taught subject that's learned online, not just music. And we also have academic accreditation for grades 9 through 12. Um, my husband and I have put over $5 million of our own cash to help fund the growth of ArtsWorks for the first eight years, but we're now bringing on investors to fuel our next stage of growth, uh, which includes much bigger marketing budgets as well as our new 12-week-long certificate during course of study that will ultimately be offered to the high schools. So the problem that we solve is that we know that the centuries-old tradition of one-to-one instruction just doesn't scale in any way, especially for music. Uh, so personal access to any master is universally expensive. It's very difficult to acquire uh, thought within convenience, whether it's time zones or working out physical locations. And there are also technology hurdles if the interaction is to be online. And that means that the privileged few are the only ones that end up getting access to these private lessons. So any aha learning breakthrough moments are not helpful to anybody else except for the person in the room. Uh, so it's a pretty widespread problem when you consider that over 100 million people in the U.S. alone are learning something for either in school or for leisure. So we have created an online learning model where 35 master musicians record everything they know. Specific techniques that they teach um, are the subject of videos that their online students can submit to them, and the teacher evaluates that video and then records an advice and demonstration video reply. That's known as a video exchange. And the video exchange is shown to all of the online students. So now that instruction given to just one person can be applied to everyone's playing. And we have over 65,000 of these video exchanges that artist works. So we've dramatically scaled one-to-one instruction for really any visually taught subject, but especially in music. And we've also democratized access to some of today's most renowned musicians. So we make money um, by way of automatic renewing memberships, uh, but our new 12-week certificate program has a one-time enrollment fee. And we've got 10 employees. Every single one of them are musicians uh, that work in our Napa, California office. Very cool. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I, I was planning on 
talking to you more, and I still want to talk more about the actual business part of this, but one of the things that I you brought up that I think is really important to to touch upon is a lot of the schools are cutting, you know, as they're, as they're having a hard time with budgets and so forth, at least here in, in Illinois, mm-hmm. are cutting all of the things that I think are probably the most important for the development of a, of a brain and the ability to have creative and critical thinking. And music is one of them. Art is another. Athletics is another. Um, and you you provide... Not just in school, as you mentioned, like it's definitely something that can be built in a curriculum, but you provide the ability for parents and, and students to that are just not given this opportunity to do it on their own as well, correct? Yes. Uh, you know, the vast majority of our um, members right now are adults. We're 82% male, um, men in their uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s mostly, um, and they're getting back to an instrument that they once enjoyed playing. Um, and so we're really happy to have all of those folks with us from around the world. But with this academic accreditation, we are going to be able to get into the high schools. Uh, whether And I really want to walk through that wide open door um, that is the cyber schools or virtual schools um, where they're already online, but nobody has, you know, this musical instrument instruction uh, available to them in um, the online format. So um, we have students of all ages that enjoy learning with us, whether they're, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds, or whether they're, you know, 50, 60, 70-year-olds. Anybody can learn with us. So to that point, uh, I want to talk a little bit more on the money side of this. You guys have a licensing agreement Mm -hmm. with lynda.com, which... Uh, for those of you out there that are like going back to when I first was in graduate school, I was like having to teach myself how to uh, code and do things of that sort of nature. And that's where I was first introduced to lynda.com. But it, it is to me a fantastic tool for those who are trying to do something on the side or like I, I look at several friends that I, I know who started picking up their instruments for fun. Like it was just like, hey, like you said, I want to get back into playing drums sure. or whatever the case may be. Um, but what I'm noticing now is the idea for them to actually make a little bit of side cast. They're not going to be rich musicians. They're not going to be like famous, you know, bands. But it does enable them to learn how to to get together and, and rehearse and become better and go play at a local pub or a local bar and make a little side cash as well as continue to pick up their dream of playing something. And so, from that standpoint, yeah, I, I think there's a huge opportunity. Yeah, I mean, uh, just back to the Linda.com, LinkedIn, Microsoft. <laughs> They've gone through a couple of mergers lately. Um, but, yeah, a subset of our courses are available there, and I appreciate you pointing that out. We don't have all of our content there, um, and that's, you know, really, I think, a good thing for us because on Linda.com you can't have that two-sided conversation like you can at ArtistWorks, which is, through the video exchange. But one of the things that, you know, we really want to grow into in 2019 is offering our content as a corporate perk or an employee benefit because what a lot of employers are finding is that if their employees are, you know, in a really kind of a high-stress, heavy workload uh, position, it's very helpful for them to have some kind of creative outlet especially if it is involving a passion of theirs and they're more productive at work and they certainly are a little bit more bound to that employer if they've given them this really enriching experience. And so that's an area of expansion for us this year. That's fascinating. I, de- I definitely would not have, have put the two together, but I mean, why not? I mean, a lot of the other 
the big companies out there are offering all kinds of side services that you can learn, even cycling and yep. and in gyms. Like this is no different to me than exercising the body or exercising the mind. So very cool. Uh, where do people go to to learn more about the opportunity? Uh, you, well, to learn about this funding, you can go to microventures.com forward slash artistworks. Um, but if you want to learn more about the company and understand it um, in even more depth, you can just go to artistworks.com. And we, of course, would be happy to welcome anybody as a customer. But this fundraise is very important. It's a side-by-side fundraise at MicroVentures, so we can certainly take accredited investors with $25,000 or more, or we welcome anybody, which is a lot of our customers have invested in us. Um, so you can go to microventures.com forward slash artistworks artist works and uh, join us there. And um, we hope to see a lot of folks online too. Very cool. I really appreciate you taking the time today. You did a great job on the pitch and uh, I love what you're doing. I, I particularly, I'll talk about it after the, when I come back for the break, but I love the, the integration of video. I think that's the one area that a lot of these kind of virtual school things are really missing. And uh, I'll talk more about it uh, after that. But in the meantime, thank you so much for, for calling in. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure, and I want to say hello to Howard Levy, who is our um, harmonica teacher, and he lives in Chicago, and I know he listens to this radio station, so I hope Howard's listening, and I wanted to just say hello. (laughs) Hello, Howard. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. We will be back after this break. Uh, This is WGN Radio AM 720. All righty, we're back to the final segment of the show. I'm going to open this up to the phones. If there's anyone out there who wants to call, it's an ugly day out, so I feel like you have nothing better to do than to call me. <clears throat> it has been brought to my attention, not only by my wonderful, lovely wife, who is a teacher, that the virtual education thing is becoming more and more prominent, more and more talked about, and it's easy and, and, and attractive to talk about how you can cut costs and how you can use this for all these different things, but the part that's being left out is the actual experience. Like you can't recreate the feeling of being live and together somewhere. And that to me, I think is a big challenge. I think that is a, a, a place that if we, if we get ahead of ourselves, you're going to have only wealthy and rich people who can afford to send their kids to college and the rest are just doing it digitally. And there will be a massive gap. And so I want to, you know, I want to carry this conversation to Ashley because she is, she's young. She's in college still, right? You're in college. Oh yeah, I am. One more semester. So I said something to you in the in the break about virtual virtual learning. I like it because I'm an introvert. You wouldn't think it from the show, but I am entire. Like I don't. I I'm good at talking at people, not so good at talking to them uh, (laughs) or with them. More importantly, so for me, virtual school is like the best. But you brought up something that I didn't want to admit, which is that virtual school allows you to cheat. Yep. <laughs> so when I said to you, what do you think of virtual school? And you're like, cheating. <laughs> what is your experience in virtual school besides cheating? I um, I don't want to say that I'm a cheater or anything. No, of course but not. Like you said earlier, when we were talking about like wasting or like trying to be efficient and yeah. not wasting time, when you do an online course, instead of sitting in a classroom and having a teacher teach it to you most you of the time, it. you're yeah, you're doing it on your own. You're you have to read the book. And or... usually at the last minute before it's due to be uploaded. Exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to having like an online test or anything, instead of wasting, not quote unquote, yeah. wasting time to study, I could focus on doing other projects or other homework that I have to do that I don't get to do online and save the time by just Googling everything online. Yeah. So I, this is interesting. It's like it doesn't apply to a lot of, of education. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how we're going to get people to want to not cheat and learn history like if you i'm looking at the tv in front of me and msnbc is donald trump's just waffling away like a fool 
we will end up having these problems with people not paying attention to history. And then you get things that happen politically because they're not aware of history because they didn't learn it. Right. And I'm worried about people cheating on this stuff and not learning history. And then we have what is going on today in, in real, real time, real life. But when you look at music and athletics and, and things like you know, plumbing and learning how to do things and cooking, you need to be there. You need to be there. And right? hands on and do it. It's hands on. And so I think that if, if we can solve for how to get people to, to need and want to learn English and learn English lit and, and read and learn and, and keep history and all this stuff and math, obviously, I think that they're, is a place to have virtual education that then you have to go into the classroom for your chemistry. You have to go into the classroom to learn how to, to weld. You have to go into the classroom for your practical application. But if we can find a way to cut down the dead time where we're all just sitting and listening to someone drone on, that needs to happen. And I look at uh, you as an example, as a student, you know, when I was in grad school early on, I was working on the project that ultimately it's called a moot. And it ultimately became like what Coursera is now. So, like, we were doing, like, the first MOOC through Northwestern. It was with, um, I'm blanking on his name, but he was a former dean of Northwestern's Medill School. And it was amazing because we got to take classes at Stanford. And the way that they did it, because we didn't have the tech infrastructure, is they literally had a camera. And it was live stream. So I, I could, like, hit a button and raise my hand and be in the class in Stanford, which made it valuable to me. When they I did the next MOOC and it didn't have it, I wasn't able to be like a part of it. Yeah. And I, I don't even think I finished it. And so like, that's the, that's where like, we got to figure out, like you can't just put it all online. There needs to be something. Yeah. My roommate had a class like that where she had, it was online and she didn't have to go anywhere, but she got to sit in our room and a professor was on the other end of the time frame. Like they were on for like three hours. It was a really long class online and she had to sit on her computer and when she wanted to raise her hand she like pressed a key on the computer and then the teacher you could hear him talking but she would like type up a response so they were having a discussion live online and i think that's the most beneficial way of doing it because then you're doing it live time but you don't have to go anywhere you know if you had to miss a class there was like a online video that you could watch and answer questions along and this like it is it is man it is so rare that a show that i do comes full circle like it usually is just like i don't even know what happened and (laughs) and whoever is listening didn't know what happened either um but the the thing that we're going to go full circle here with is we started off talking about time management and how you guys all have this ability to to optimize your time better than than the rest of us because you're you're quicker on social media. Dane's sitting next to me laughing. I'm just turning Dane's mic on so that he can. Uh, I, in my mind is I'm I'm thinking to myself as I hear it. So thinking about ta- Trump? <laughs> time management and then I'm thinking and then we're going to talk about Ty Pennington. That's where I thought you were going, but no, we weren't going there because you mentioned plumbers, you mentioned all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, live and in person, I don't know that there's a substitute for it, but in in lieu of having that be an option, the online education side of things, whether it's, you know, even to help, uh, you know, on the surgery side or let's say having having professionals be able to either educate or instruct other people around the world, especially in places where they just don't have access yep. to that caliber of learning and instruction. Um it's it's going to change the world just as though like the internet on the information side has changed what we're all you know aware of and exposed to the education side imagine you know a village off in the in the world somewhere where they just don't have access to the kind of of or the caliber of educators that we do to have them have that same person be able to share. But I do hear your point that there has to be something where you can do the hands on and, 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 and kind of, 
I don't know, just finally realize going full circle on that education side, practically putting into in, into action. I, I totally agree. I mean, I you know, I to try to wrap up where we started from on the time management, I don't mean to, to poo-poo on like on our, our parent lovely tribune, right? But like you look at all the media companies and stuff and when they first when the when digital became reality, they thought that they could just take the the physical newspaper and put it in your hands as a PDF on your iPad or wherever and forgot that you needed certain experiential things that made it more like I got I like the paper because I like to feel it I like the ink you remove all the experiential stuff and it just becomes it doesn't fit it how do you worked. quantify those intangibles because they're just built into the human experience well, yeah I don't think you really realize how much they mean till they're gone well correct and so going back to the the point of time teachers right now are programmed to do education based on what they're measured on now so that's getting into tests and taking tests and you know whatever going into graduation rates and so forth what if you started looking at things in terms of time for the teacher how important and this is not ubiquitous this doesn't go for every single category in every single class but how important is a lecture actually how many times do you look around ashley at your peers and they're texting or tweeting or doing whatever they don't tweet they, they do whatever they do no snap whatever how many times is their head down and they're not listening to a lecture? I was snoozing or they're like, when I saw a lecture on the syllabus, that meant Scott could go out the night before and be hung over as a bejesus because it was, to- I wasn't going to pay attention anyway. And bejesus for the listeners is the highest level of hungover. That is the, yeah, that is the highest level. But like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't going to pay attention. So why are we doing it? So why not remove that and say, I'm going to create that, that three hours split in a million ways that was lecturing. Those are times that are spent interacting with students online and, and communicating and answering questions and doing one one you can watch a video of a lecture and get the same thing i can record one and give it to eight million people you could read and and follow up with these questions and then i'm going to split up my three hours amongst you in groups and smaller groups and answer questions directly and that's a that's the same goal but done differently you know like a lecture is just like the the old school version of something online right it's basically you know, somebody kind of speaking to you, not necessarily expecting a lot of back and forth or feedback, not that small classroom, although you do have the option of some interaction, asking some questions, but it's not necessarily designed. Correct. You've got, you know, hundreds of people. It's not designed for everybody to have a voice and kind of trade and, back and, and forth. And neither is this, right? I mean, it's like you just want to give people the opportunity. And that's why I say, like, you, you, what you just said, it's an older version of the Internet. I look at it like newspapers were an older version of pdf is an older newer version of of newspapers it doesn't it doesn't translate because they didn't change the way that people interact with the with the content this is the same thing it's education is content in my mind and i need to change the way that people consume it and shape the way i deliver it so that you can consume it the way you want to otherwise you won't and and this is like way off the reservation now but like it's a it's a big deal and i think it it, we've got some tech out there that can really help the world the companies and and kind of those innovative leaders it's just like you know the light bulb or anything else right it just changes the way that people you know live and kind of live their lives and expand their lifetime experiences and and you're seeing these quantum leaps and the people that are behind it on the tech side i mean i think they need to be up there along with like your you know your thomas edison's and your and your graham bells and people because look at what they've done For us, you know, it's all been kind of baby steps, right? You look at your phone and what it could do today, and then it's like the 10 years of the smartphone. You think of the way that you communicated, but it all happens like a kid growing up in front of you. You don't notice it so much. But when you look at the way these things are are impacting people in places where they're still living like it was, you know, 500 years ago, and just the opportunities they have today, it's mind-blowing. I don't don't want to continue to blow minds, but I'm just going to add (laughs) add to this, because there's dangers involved like in everything, right? There's there's all kinds of stuff I could complain about on the snakes poison yeah that too but imagine the impact of a world that's literate 
in different parts of the world. Like just that one thing, which is a big thing. But like imagine having a, like the internet is everywhere. Apple and Verizon make sure of that. Was it a problem? Yeah. You're like, imagine the problem of a world that's literate. Yeah. That is, is that like the... I don't know if it's good or bad. Is that like the dictator side of Scott Katoon coming out? Well, no, but... No, no. I'm not saying the problem. This is a good thing. Oh, imagine gotcha. the okay. world in a place where we have all these people who are literate who could ask questions and... and, and or, add, or, or add to the conversation. Correct. You know, in a world when you have such a great, I think, percentage of the population that is in a place that doesn't have access to that, I think the greatest minds, the greatest scientists, the next Stephen Hawking, the next whoever is probably, you know, just by law of averages and percentages, is probably someone that's living in a in a hut somewhere, I, right? I, I don't disagree. I think that this was the most impactful, monumental WGN radio show of all time. And two great companies came in and, and pitched, and you all got the opportunity to invest in it. And now I'm done, and I'm going to hand this over to Dane Neal, who's going to tell us about his show, and uh, and everything will be great. Well, I don't have any of the information in front of me, but I know as far as like sending it to news. But coming up, we've got a great uh, eclectic blend. It is uh, Elvis's birthday, so we're going to definitely do a little homage to the king. We're going to have the Cadillacs. Uh, thank you, Ashley. I appreciate that. We're going to have uh, the Cadillacs of Elvis coming up a little bit later. We're going to have the people in the uh, the delegation from the great state of Indiana is going to be joining us talking about family road trips uh, to Indiana. We're going to have Diva Q. She is one of the top personalities in the world of barbecue. She has traveled the world. Talk about her travels and, of course, uh, some grilling as well. Seth Zurer from uh, Bacon Fest. He is going to be on talking about the journey that so many chefs and, of course, fans make to Bacon Fest uh, every year. And then Travel. Juden. He's on Worst Cooks in America. He's uh, for the Food Network. That show is going on. He's our local representative from Chicago. He'll be uh, uh, hopefully leading us to, to some, I don't know, some great meals and victory. Sounds like a good show. Take it away. All right. Right now it is straight up 2 o'clock, a little bit after. The Steve Cocker Show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet weekday mornings at 720. On 720, WGN Chicago smart speaker users just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news is sponsored by Geico Insurance. Here's Bob Kessler. 